Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to this week's episode of the Paula Price Show with the one and only Dr. Paula Price. I tell you what, I can't get enough of this wisdom. I don't know about you. Well, I guess maybe I do know. I think I can speak for other people, Dr. Price, and say your wisdom from above is truly one of a kind. Yeah, especially since you and I hung out last night during the study session. Yes. You had me to yourself. Yes. Can you imagine? Yes. A, a study session. You and me talking about your upcoming commissioning. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Isn't it easy? Did you find that it was just easy? <laughs> I love to toy with you because I know how strongly you feel about this. About toying? <laughs> yes. I thought, isn't it easy <clears throat> to um, just jump on board? Love hope. Oh, so starting again? Hallelujah. Did I get long? Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate the apps. I really do. I appreciate the apps a lot. Um, but I, I want to talk about this. Do I go? Oh, I got another. Okay, guys, if I sound like I'm a little off, it's because we've got all these different toys, new toys. And these people don't care that I'm over 60. They keep bringing me new stuff. They keep telling me new stuff. New stuff. I got to learn new stuff. First of all, uh, you know how much a creature of habit you are by the time you live your life? So you know this was weird for me, right? (laughs) I was like, when did I get this with the ring on it? Well, but, you know, I I love doing this. I thank God for you. And, yes, I am focusing in now, guys. This is focus happening. We've been together long enough for you to just roll with my moments. And uh, I do have moments. But I wanted to talk a little bit um, with Prophet Ashley about her impending commissioning. Yay. Yay. See? Right after, on (laughs) cue. Yay. You know, I did not expect she's the big <laughs> So I was thinking, since we were spending some time studying last night, you know, Apostle Sally going to get us because you know that, right? I know, but we we bring her in. We broke the seal on the book, your latest training. But yes. actually, it is your proving man, man, um, what is it, manual. We have a proving manual. Yes, we do. Proving that you got the program. So yes. sit here with me for a minute. I'll okay. straighten out. All right. Okay, you got to fix me up in my public. Are you fixing me up? No. Okay, I don't want to be public no. now. No visual yet. I don't want to be visual. All right. Okay, see. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it <clears throat> and why I'm doing it. 
For those of you who are just joining me on social media, good morning. I love you. I thank God for you. I love my blog talk radio family because yes. we are family by now. You know, I always say that. You know why I say family all the time? We've been together a long time. I have some people who can reach back into the beginning of the Thursday show. Woo, yes, they can. Yes, some of you all can go back to the beginning of the Thursday show where we were just everybody on the same line. We were, you know, I'd do my teaching and I'd start praying and counseling and preaching and prophesying and, ooh, and then <laughs> the numbers would just rack up. And I think about those days. You know, I'm a person who remembers the former days in their positivity as the springboards that got us to where we are today. But some of us, we, I mean, we go back. When I celebrate my annual anniversary in um, uh, April, you all are part of that celebration. You all are it. I mean, you guys are the reason that I was there every week and, and then watching all of the newcomers every week, I see new people. I haven't taken a moment to welcome my new viewers on social media, obviously my new listeners on Blog Talk. Welcome to the family. And understand this is a special family because we are one and we're a team making this happen. There is so much to enjoy with the Lord that I can't, I, I really can't stop doing this. I almost think I could do this every day. I, I really do, uh, because I, I'm that full, uh, and he is full. You know, God's infinite, and he's having a blast. He's excited about the new thing that he's got coming into his kingdom, into his church, into his house, into his family, and stuff. <laughs> Very excited. So I want to say again, welcome on this Thursday. I remember that, you know, up until last year, we had two parts. We had me talking, and then you getting prayer and counseling, and now we've shifted from you to the prophet that I produce. Yes. Yes, and they get to be on my right and my left. Don't you like it? Yes. How do you like being up here early this time? Uh, you know. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah, well, you know what? It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that drama class is paying off. Yeah, it's paying off, isn't it? <laughs> I knew that drama degree was going to pay off somewhere. There you go. You almost didn't bring my books today. I was like, you know what? I think I should bring them. Yep. Look at you. But again, we talked last night about that Kronos thing being an integral yes. to your mantle. Yes. You have something that um, that is so interesting, and I've relied on it. I've come to rely on it, and that is part of your apostleship dispensation and your faculties this time. You have the, you're like a TikTok on the inside. Every year, those of you who join our, our events, they all say the same thing. She's like a TikTok. <laughs> you know, we, we just hold up the, the, the time numbers just as a formality because she starts pacing. Yeah, right, okay. When, when things need to be wrapped up. up. And that's a faculty. That's somebody. You want that in a prophet. You, you, you need a prophet that's on time. Because if, if they be rolling in late and coming to attention late, you can rest assured that your word is probably not going to be prompt. 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 But I also watched The Master. <laughs> we tell this story, and Prophet is not up here yet. But <laughs> we have um, New Year's prayer. Yes. And back in our wilderness days, when we didn't have a church, we would pray at Dr. Price's house. And so we would, uh, the closer we wound down, maybe around 1130 or so, we would get into intercession and pray the new year in. And so we're going to town. We're praying. 
And Prophet Adi and I look up at each other and we're like, man, it's like one minute to midnight. And <laughs> the price is still like rolling, rolling, rolling. And she's playing, that clock struck 12. She said, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> no. And we were like, what just happened? You can do that? Yes. And for years, she trained me to listen to the voice of the Lord and that instinct that God was going to use as a resource and a faculty. And it's been very helpful to you yeah. because it's gotten us dates where God said, call now or opportunities. Okay, do it today. Go this moment. Those are the things that make you, push you into that sphere of mastery. Will you not just master the intelligence and theology, but you master the technology, you master the techniques and the know-how. This is a good thing. So I'm excited about that. But, you know, God taught me that early because when, you, when we were coming up in Jersey, you know, you were so glad that anybody let you preach. They have those, <laughs> I love it, those, uh, what do they call it, those platform services. Some of you are my Jerseyans. You all probably still have that, right? Come on, look back. And so everybody got up and had, they had the seven sayings of Christ and the, the seven this and that. Well, you know, I'm loaded. Don't ever call me for a platform ah! ever, ever, because I'm going to bring my own platform. I'm going to stand on it. So don't ask me. All right? Now, if you want me to do my 15 minutes as a whatever, that's fine. But please, don't get me wound up. I am so bad at it. Well, I thought I was. And so the first time I said, Jesus, I have never preached seven minutes in my life. I mean, my prayers, I had to stop my saying grace for seven minutes. And I, started, I almost starved myself a couple of times. <laughs> and I'm hungry and can't Pray shut up. The next harvest. Okay. So, um, but anyway, <clears throat> I, um, so I'd go there. And I mean, I would say what they said. I'd lay it out. And on the strike of seven, I'm done. Which is why you can see how abruptly I can stop. Yeah. I said, okay, done. And I, I learned then not to go past the Holy Ghost. And I didn't. And I, I knew, I watched all the people after me and some before me, they just run over and, and blame the Holy Ghost. I thought that wasn't the Holy Ghost. You know, and fortunately, I was raised in the business sector where you had seven minutes to speak. That's what you had. You didn't try to weave up anything. But I thought, I went to God and I said, well, God, why did they go over? He said, because they shut me off. He said, it's them, and at first it's me, and then it's them. He said, and so wow. uh, it's them. And if their hosts allow them to do that, bless them. But they need to know that I'm a God of order and time. You cannot say God's a God of order, mm-hmm. and he can't keep time. Okay. He, because before that, you know. He said, oh, Lord, she to take notes. <laughs> 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 I love it. But, um, and so I learned from that point on that God is going to honor what he told the host or the uh, sponsors to do. And so when, we, when they come to us, we're very serious. They're so serious, they hold me. I have to say, hold on. Hold on. This is my day. And we're ready for that. Mm-hmm. They pat they my time. I found out. I thought I was, I thought I was you know, being, you know, <clears throat> holding my ground. I found out they were patting my time. Okay. <laughs> She's not going to be. Well, once we learned your rhythm yes. as a host, and um, except that I was telling Rachel this morning when I was going through the materials to build the curriculum mm-hmm. for the training program for our future classes, I said, this is a summit, one of the, I think the last summit where you brought in a whole string of big names, oh, man. outside was, people, a, people stopped coming. They did. They told me they didn't want to come. Because they said, we don't come to your conference to hear the same old thing that we can hear anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And talk about a hard reset. 
That was a hard reset for Dr. Polly. Yeah, it was. We were saying, we just want to hear you, but you know, we love you. We're your sheep. You're my people. So when the other people, too. Was, no, they took me out and told me. Yeah. I was like, ooh. At the table now, Dr. Price. So now, we give you the whole first day. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, at the end of that first day, she's just getting started. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we have to give her a break and let other people speak. Well, I want to, I wanted to have diversity, and I thought that's what it was. Well, that particular summit, as wonderful as the people are in their own right and in their own sphere, they did not fit my vein, and my people knew it. My folks did not get blessed. They said, but we hear that everywhere, you know, because I have a, a section in your training coming up. There's a section in your book called, is entitled, in this book? yeah, in your brief. When unity becomes monotony. And so the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, we start out individual. Then we move from individuality to, you know, uh, what do you call it, to uh, partnership or collaboration. And then we go from collaboration right on into community. And we go into community, then we are at that place of unity. Unity is like that peak thing. It's kind of like the whole entropy thing. You know, it starts out perfect. Unity, everybody's on the same page. Everybody's saying the same thing. That is the peak, but that's also the consummation of a move. Hmm. And so, some of you all are going to like this. So the consummation of the move is that that's fine. Everybody's happy. But when the move has achieved its purpose, which means it's, it's nourished its audiences, it's nourished its populace, mm-hmm. it's got everybody is full, people can mouth the words, they can say it in their sleep, they can find it everywhere they turn, eventually boredom sets in. Because hmm. when people are content, they, they're one step from complacency. So when complacency steps in, the next step right after complacency is boredom. And so then after boredom becomes frustration because the appetite that was part of that thing has been satisfied and a new appetite out of its success has been born. And that new appetite is when unity has got to pay attention and look for its next place. Because right after that appetite, and that frustration comes disunity. People begin to break away looking for another nourishment. The difference with human beings is that if something is working, we, I mean, we've got all kinds of philosophy. If it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. Well, they've done that with God. They, God's saying it's shattered, and y'all saying it ain't broke. <laughs> <laughs> it's destroyed. Okay. God is like, it's dust on the ground. Guys, look down. And so um, I thought that was really interesting. When he said that to me, he said, Paula, a new move will always begin when unity becomes monotony. And where we are today is that the people who have grown and been enriched for what God has done and has been, you know, it's worked for them, they're established, they want to say, it ain't broke, so don't fix it. Now, the people who have eaten from that table have, and still haven't attained to what, they, what, what, what you have, your successes as the founder or the groundbreaker or pioneer, those people are ready for the next course of the meal. And so we have this group here saying, but it's fine. I mean, why do you have to change? God isn't changing. I'm telling you, God is, listen, God's not changing. Like, that, you, you weren't changed. Did you remember before you, there was someone else who said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. 
you know, and why reinvent the wheel? We got real philosophies on that. Why reinvent the wheel? Well, you know, this wheel was bronze. We're now using tires. Now we have tires with inner tubes. Now we have tires with inner, without inner tubes that just are steel, and on it goes. We're going to perfect this thing called the wheel. Right. Not because the first wheel was wooden. Right. And who knows? We don't want to be there. No, no. We don't want to do that. And we have hard ground, of course, hard terrain. So those, those slogans, they worked when the thing was still working in you. But you have, you know, there is a, um, when I was taking public speaking classes, I know you probably didn't think I had those, but I did. Because <laughs> you're so unrefined. Ooh, yeah, right. <laughs> but um, when I was taking public speaking classes, um, because I worked for the Bell System and I was part of their training in Aurora, Colorado, they had this whole thing on public speaking. And one thing that they impressed upon us is since your audience, preachers yes. lose people because it's more important for you to get it out than for the people to take it in. So mm-hmm. I'm very good at abruptly stopping or shifting because that's something I needed to do because my job depended on that. So you better okay, hallelujah. So I did that, you know, way, way back, way, way back. It's a whole different institution now. I probably wouldn't recognize it. But there are principles that don't change. When your audiences have told you in every which kind of way that it's not working, you have got to pay attention if you want to stay in front of them. And so I've learned. I've learned to pay attention. And so the attention that most preachers are not willing to pay is that we're bored. Your unity with the whole group, with the whole move, has become monotonous. And because it's monotonous, you now sound like a drone instead of a breath of fresh air, mm-hmm. instead of a good meal. And it just, so you just hum in the background. And to them, it's white noise. They're sitting out there, and they show up. They don't show up because of your preaching. They show up because they, that's the only place they know to go to hope God will show up and hear them and meet their needs. And we have a unique ability, a unique distinction, and that is God shows up when we do it his way because our what we call public ministry or what we call preaching and teaching, God calls therapy. Hmm. And it gives him a, an opportunity to treat his people, treat their needs. And he does it through words because the Bible said he sent his word and healed them. So if he sent his word and healed them, then obviously what we do has got to stay within God's apothecary. And he has an apothecary, a compounding of terms, terminology, prayers, et cetera, that congeal to meet the needs of his people, which is why you go into some places and the people are full of joy, except when you go to other places and people feel like they're going to the dentist. I'm going to get my tooth pulled. Uh, oh, I got to go through this again. Yeah. Are you all following me? Is this making sense to you guys out there? Because you have to, rec- you have to be able to tell people why God's doing a new thing and why the former things are no more. The hard reset is because unity has become monotonous. And it's monotonous to God. Can you believe that? God is like, I'm bored, and I started it. <laughs> oh, no. He's like, I'm tired of the redundancy. I'm tired of the recycle and rehashing. I started this, and I'm ready to stop it. 
Why? Because it's 20, 30, 40 years down the line. And, and, and what I like about corporations that last forever and entities, we were talking about restaurants, mm-hmm. is because they listen to their partakers. Christian ministers don't listen to their partakers because they're too busy listening to each other in the back room. And so you're not, and so, and if you do, you, you realize that if they do listen, you go humanist, you go carnal, you go flesh, you go trendy, you go yeah. secular. Yeah. See, your answer to God's silence is secularity. And again, same problem. Because it was secularity that, that put the man on the cross. So he probably won't shift you to secularity simply because it was the 39 stripes we bought. <laughs> See, it's one that, that, yeah, well, in the, <laughs> that conference we were talking about, you asked the prevailing problems. Yes, I did. And what was interesting was all of your speakers and leaders had some of That's right. I spiritual answers, whatever, the people in the pews were talking about actually what's the huge problem now. This is in 2006. They were talking about uh, witchcraft, they were talking about the television shows, the music, how everything was swaying, and the leaders completely, completely out of touch. Yep. It didn't even cross their minds that there was anything they needed to be concerned with. Mm-hmm. Because, because their concern is getting them in the seats mm-hmm. and also getting them getting their support. But the people are like, but we are the vi- people in the village. We the village people. We out there where it's all happening. Mm-hmm. And that is a good point. But that's when we did our chambers, which we'll yes. talk about late, uh, next week maybe. Mm-hmm. But we did our chambers. And so I'm saying to you today, hard reset. Because some of you are saying, I don't know what that means. What is yeah, you do, and you agree with it. You know why you agree with it? Because you say you're bored. Because you say you're not getting fed. Because you say it's not speaking to you. You're saying it's not answering your issues. You yourself called for a hard reset. Wow. The leaders might not have called for it. I think several of them did, but, you know, you know per hundred. But <clears throat> God's people, you are the incense that went up from the earth to the altar of Jesus Christ and said, God, Tell me this is not it. And tell me that how I learned you, which was holy and sanctified and cleansed and enlightened and in love and communion with you, is not wrong. Because what you're being taught now is so contrary to that. You don't know if you're saved. You don't know if there is a Jesus. You don't know if he really did come to the planet. This devil has worked you over really well because of the monotony that forced, that forced secularity. Mm. On you. And so we have her here today. I bet you wonder I'm going to do this segue, but I have it worked out. Because of the hard reset and because it is about God's bringing, breaking the unity of monotony mm-hmm. and shattering the bonds of adversity against him. Because, mm. see, we have unified against Christ. Yeah. And, yeah. and and we're gonna ha- in our discussion we're gonna talk about where it all began. I got a nice little book here I want you all to have. But this November, I am holding I believe it's my sixteenth or seventeenth uh, apostolic summit, now apostleship summit sponsored by 
the Near Collaborative, New Era Apostleship Restitution Collaborative. And this is the most spectacular year that I have. If ever you're going to want to attend, this is the one. I think this is the 17th. 17th. Because I think the, the 2006 one was the fifth one. That's right. Well, it's, we started 2000. So, yeah, remember in Oklahoma City? Oh, that was 2000. Okay, yeah. that's the 18th. And so we are in the and woo, 18th. Don't mess with me. I'm going to oh, share that. <laughs> you know, you see? So I have her. I called her from behind the camera because this is the most, um, I think it's transitional. I think this will be a hard reset in oh, many yeah. ways. This is a hard reset. And so I am commissioning my first set of apostles, six in all. Now, that's who finished. You recognize if there's six, there must have been about 12 that started out with us that fell along the wayside. Because that's the way school goes. That's the way planning mm-hmm. goes. You, you get more than you're going after, and then, you, you know, you see who finishes. So I have six that are finishing, and I have seven or eight that we're inducting to take their place. So I'm excited about that. And it took me all 30 years to get it together. And I wanted you to hear what the 30 years did and how it worked out. So I said to you earlier that Prophet Ash is the first one uh, that I've begotten of myself. In other words, I have, they were apostles with this one. They were, you know, some had a, a declaration, some had a prophecy, whatever. But this year, we are doing the, the commissioning. Mm-hmm. Before, is it before? Yes. The day of? Uh, the, yes, the first night. The first night. The, the first night, Thursday night. Now, Wednesday night is exciting to me because we have what, what I call our dignitaries dinner, and that is dealing with uh, introducing apostolic and prophetic registrants to the, uh, the diplomacy mm-hmm. and the reconciliations and the, the uh, actual activities of going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature or making disciples of nations. And we have Dr. Reginald Nichols from Warner Pacific College, who is our dignitary speaker, prophet, amazing man. Uh, every time I talk to him, I'm just like, wow, he is, whew, just to see God moving in that academic arena and bringing it forward. So he'll do, he'll do the kickoff. Thursday, you all get to do your panel. They have to pre- present their portfolios to the panel. Now, the reason that they have a portfolio is because we don't know what you're going to do after we lay hands on you and give you paper and tell you you're an apostle. So we need to have, you have to have a working document, a working plan, which they're all pressing for. We're working. We're planning. And, 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 but, and a couple of things I'd like you to speak to is even the camaraderie and unity that came sure. out of this. Sure. But then, for, then on Thursday night is the actual commissioning and they they have their friends coming from all over to you know witness it etc and then with that they are presented to the body of christ first to the lord jesus christ and then to his body as his next members of his staff or his next college of apostles now why do we do that you know i've heard because you know we get picked that i get picked that all the time because everybody's like people don't need that it's just too deep. It doesn't take all of that. I mean, after all this, God who does the calling. I really love that one. <clears throat> okay. So how do you know he did it? Well, because Reverend so-and-so said it? But how do you know that God was ready to use him? Because many are called, but few chosen. I commissioned the chosen. I don't commission the call. I induct 
the call. I commissioned the chosen. And the chosen have got to be proven because that's what Bible says. Bible says over and over again not to lay hands on anyone rashly, etc. And so we, they have to be proven, and they have to be proven to have converted from the world to Jesus Christ, to have earned elevation from um, world of basic ministry or ecclesial ministry to the realm and throne of Christ. And so there are some real hard things that we don't, we just skip over because we were the evangelicals running the church when God founded this with apostles and prophets. Those apostles had it hard. It was not easy. First of all, everybody thinks it's easy to be taught by Jesus Christ directly. So let me just, get, let me dispel you of that. Uh, this man is, I don't care how much his clay vessel looked like them, he can't, he's the author of everything God ever said, did, whatever. And those apostles had to rise up to that level authorship for their authentication. This was not about all of the, 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 the folks in the back room preaching the sermons and, and then talking about, well, they don't need to know that and they don't need to know this. Half of you all are unlearned in Christ because your leaders said you didn't need to know what you don't know. See, your leaders decreed your naivety and they decreed your ignorance. And so, and they decreed your mythology. So you have got to recognize that's not what apostles do. I have um, their training. They've had, I don't know, several teachings and whatever. It's been, what, three years? Two? Two years. Two years. Two years concentratedly. Now, these, this, this group is our inaugural group. From now on, they will be the ones who train the rest. I'm going to be off duty for a little bit. Well, low duty. Right. Okay. Low duty. And they have changed. Every one of them can tell you why they've changed, what changed them, why they stayed with it, why, what, and what it cost them, because each one of them is costing them. If, I mean, God vets. It doesn't make a difference whether you do it right or wrong. It's just that when you do it right, you understand that you're it. When you do it wrong, you feel like you are a failure. And so God vets. So we have six people, six AITs, which is what we call them, apostles in training, six AITs that are going to move from AIP status to commissioned near apostles. And they will not do so empty-handed. Now, I'm, I want to close my portion of this discussion right now on this point. It is okay for you to say, I, I'm, all my friends are apostles, or I got an apostle and he's an apostle. It's okay for you to say that, but you know what? You don't know what they do in your life. You just know how you feel about it. You don't know what they do because nobody can articulate that. The reason that they have training is because they need to articulate that from God's mind and God's heart. The reason the training is extensive is because God's a living God, so they have a living curricula, and living curricula is going to hurt you because there are dynamics that, that follow the object lessons and the trainings, et cetera, because God's got to prove his involvement because my job eventually is to wean them off me and to wean them on him. Because that's where I am. So I have to, literally, they have to be weaned off secularity, they have to be weaned off carnality, they have to be weaned off philosophy, humanism, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, paganism, all of those things. They have to be weaned off that so that they become representatives of Jesus Christ and they become representatives of him in truth. So if it was just a matter of slap and dash, then those 12 did not need Jesus for three and a half years. 
if it was just a matter of slapping back. <clears throat> but it didn't exist. <clears throat> and so they have to they have to produce their things, their practice project, have to produce their portfolio. That is what they bring to the ceremony. First they bring it to the defense and then they bring it to the ceremony. And the reason that we do that is because the day after all of that pomp and circumstance and the day after all of that shouting and all of that loving on you, everybody's happy, when they wake up in the morning and all of that's gone, they need emblems, they need signs, they need objects to say it really took place and that their status and station really changed and that they have a new position in the Lord Jesus Christ as his royal representative and they have thrown no business to take care of. See, many people, and we get those calls. It's a good way to segue to you. We get those calls where people say, well, the guy, the guest minister said I'm an apostle. I don't know what that means. What? First of all, my guest minister need not be changing my staff in the middle of my service. <laughs> so I'm going to need you not to do that. You're a guest minister. You're oh, not from yes. HR. I don't bring yes. you in to do HR. <laughs> That's good. Because oh, that's HR work. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I brought you in to be a speaker. There's no room for that professionally in mm -hmm. any other arena. No, no. For someone to walk into a company who does not sit in this seat of hiring, firing, and promoting and demoting to do that. Exactly. And so, and when things like, like it happened, um, it happened, what, from November? Well, I just think y'all do this and y'all do that. Uh-uh. I am not your classic apostle. I'm not your classic evangelical apostle. I'm not your classic charismatic apostle. I am a thronal apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm a chief apostle. And if I don't know where the challenge and attributes in my body fit, then I need to sit there. Mm. So I, didn't bring, I brought you in to speak, not to staff. So you're not staffing my organization with what you think should happen, and you're not going to walk my people out of my organization to fulfill their destinies with what you say they ought to be. I take care of my folks. I teach. I have a university. You realize that. And before I had a university, I had a university. Yes. And so <clears throat> when, when God tells me they're ready, then I'm ready. So you all come in, they blast your churches up, they run up and down the road, they slamming people with swords, and come on, we're just going to put you on your knees. You look at, you're standing there being elevated to an, a, a position, inaugurated into a position because commissioning is an element of inauguration, and you're dressed in your jeans, you're dressed down in your jeans, your flip-flops, your sneakers, your short pants, and you want God to take that seriously. Come on. You want him to take that seriously. Nobody in, in, before his throne looks like that. Nobody. And so I've, I've, I'm speaking what I've seen. So, no, we don't do that. We, sep we separate our functions. We separate our observations, our acknowledgments and recognitions. We separate them that they may be distinguished. That's what distinguished used to mean. Taken, brought in, or, or, or elevated or separated from the routine mm -hmm. so that it may be commemorated. So we have people wake up the morning after those Sunday night mayhem commissioning, and they mayhem and all of that, and they do it, and you got somebody who's a janitor at their secular job telling you, you're an apostle. Somebody help me. <laughs> you customer service, and now you're trying to be a, a commissioner. You have no concept of what you're doing. But it's a game. It's a game. Because, see, I want to know what you do, because higher authority is supposed to be the one that does it. So you're still hitting the clock as a customer service rep. Mm -hmm. 
homeschooled mom, church teacher, truck driver, mechanic, real estate agent, and you are to commission somebody to the highest office, highest human office in Jesus Christ Church. Does anybody think that's crazy? And then people wonder why nothing happened, because nothing happened. They didn't, they didn't bring you any power. They didn't bring you any anointing. There was nothing in them to impart to you but their secular career. And it wasn't on par with apostleship. I am showing off, and I know it. <laughs> well, when you said commissioner, and you think about a commissioner. Thank you. Thank you. And half of you all are bowing and scraping to folks who were made apostle by bakers, candlestick makers. You come on here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I told God you give it to me. I'm a cut up. I told him he was already I forewarned. You know, he forewarned me and I had a few forewarnings for him. Okay, I'm a cut up now. You give me this mouth, I'm sure. But think about it. You are walking around bowing and scraping to an apostle who was made so by your auto mechanic. They don't have a secular career or education comparable, right. let alone above, to who God is making you. And you're excited, and you all are bowing. Yeah, because my apostle said, no, 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 no. That is not it. Because an apostle is the precursor that established ambassadorship in the modern world. Now, the Bible had ambassadors, because David had ambassadors. You know, that whole story about the men, David's servants, because, you know, the, the secular Bibles and the, the charismatic Bibles take out anything authoritative or dignified. But that whole story about David, uh, David's men being beaten up and shaved and mm. all of that, those were his ambassadors. Yeah, yeah. Which is why David, after the hair grew back, he went back and got him, That's because cool. they, uh, they, they waged war on him. Those were ambassadors. They weren't pulpiteers. So I want to bring this in because you all get those calls. You have handled those mm -hmm. calls. Sure. And so having them, we've talked about it. So she's going to give you just a little bit, just a little, of your training program and, and why we were studying last night. Until <sighs> almost 10. Yes. That's good. Well, these are just the final two books. The final two. Uh, you know, first I want to say when Dr. Price is speaking on the term the office apostle, it's with the totality mm -hmm. of the office, not our contemporary definition and diminishment of the office. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know, well, why do you need this kind of education to send somebody out to do something, well, you don't. If that's all we're talking about, is just to go send, be a sent one and then send other people to send them to send other people to church plant and, and go and, and build businesses and make a lot of money and be authoritative when you preach. No. no but this program is so much more. For example, you want to give an example? This book right here, which I will not be reading online. You can read it. Oh, oh, okay. Read your favorite part. Is seven lectures on God's spiritual protocratics collaborating with God's unseen powers. Did you all like that? Now, who thinks of that <laughs> when they think apostle? Who says that? We don't, but God does, and he always has. I had a study session on Saturday 
you know what? I can read the preface because the preface had me talking in tongues. This is a, you know, this is a new printout because mine is all marked up. Yeah. I have to copy my notes. So is this one my copy? No, this, this is mine. Um, yes, yours is coming today. Okay. Yes. Got it. Uh, but we had a study session on Saturday and we were talking all over each other mm. because we just could not believe the magnitude of God's realms, mm -hmm. all of his realms, his world is huge. And world. it's, yes, world. yes. <laughs> and it's there in scripture. It is right in front of us. The key players, the dimensions, the heavens, the levels, all of it is there. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's been redacted, stripped, whitewashed, and flat out removed. Mm. So in the preface, the preface, she said, Oh, I don't know. Yes. The spiritual protocratic lectures are to support the essential spirituality and eternality teachings of God's church and kingdom. You already stopped. The lectures are inspired by Acts 26.18 and mean to instruct these spiritual contenders of the faith in the heavenly providences of the duties. Essential to their trainings, the lectures seek to equip those wrestling with principalities, powers, and spiritual hosts of wicked in high places to appreciate what the Lord means by Ephesians 3.10, Revelation 3, 1, 4, 5, and 5, 6, of which we have a topical scripture study. Homework assignment <laughs> combined to do. Collectively, these all speak about a college of angels who served God before, excuse me, who served before God's throne in eternity that he dispatched to cover his church on earth. The importance of these lectures goes to the need for those standing in comparable positions on earth to realize that they are not independent agents in God's service. That is the first paragraph <laughs> of the preface of the book. You are not alone. <laughs> and you're not independent. That's right. Did you want to read anything else? Hold on, but there's something else. She has something else that she wants to I just. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Still in the preface. Two paragraphs down. Prior to contemporary ministers' entrance into their ministries, a long line of human and spiritual predecessors filled their posts with heaven spiritual protocrats migrating through occupants to aid and oversee, oversee the newest human entrance. <laughs> entrance, E-N-T-R-A-N-T-S. Entrance, not entrance. Mm -hmm. like entrance into God. Right. What this says, because I know you want to know, is that all those answering the call to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and his church or kingdom are to be mindful of the foundations, patterns, and practices laid down before them. However, being aware of them is only part of the task. The other part, perhaps the most important one, is learning them. Mm -hmm. Each New Testament minister has to learn what the church's founders discovered about God's invisible task force that keeps his work going on the earth. They must recognize their obligation to accommodate and cooperate with what the Lord delegated his force to do long before this world or their service began. Such knowledge can only come from training what the New Testament does well. So, and I'm, you know, you're proving your training. She picked the best Man. two paragraphs. But that last one answers the question. So what happens to make me an apostle versus what happens to authorize my apostleship? And what authenticates the two? Yeah. If you are listening to me right now, you should write that down. What happens to make me an apostle? Mm. And then what happens 
to authorize my apostleship? And then what authenticates the two? Because those are the questions that you want to know the answers to, even if you don't phrase them the way I do. You want to know why I should trust you as an apostle. I have a pastor. Why do I need an apostle? Because apostles predate your pastor. And your pastors came out of apostles. Apostles don't come out of pastors. Unless they're pastoral apostles. So you, there is some things that, for you to understand. So you can talk. You're still having fun over there, aren't you? Yes, but go ahead. Okay. You just you lost in mm-hmm. it. So and I've written these, all of these books. I don't have a curriculum where I'm going to Barnes and Nobles or Amazon to get my textbooks, although most of my textbooks are on Amazon. But I don't do that. I develop program and curricula for classes based on their mandates, based on their offices, based on the duties and responsibilities, the obligations that they are to carry out in those positions. So they are always, always office defined. So what we write for apostles, if you talk to Chief Prophet Kyle, it would be a different program. They, the prophets have a whole different kind of thing that we do, as well as the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What we have to recognize is that you got your hands laid on you. You hope that there was enough anointing in the vessel that laid hands on you <laughs> and hope that it was a comparable anointing. Right, right. Because impartation is meant to be symbiotic and synergistic. So you hope that that's what happened. Because you stood there because some, some person just jumped out of nowhere and said, I can do it. Or you, you had an apostle lay hands on you that was freelancing and freestyling, freeforming and freefalling. Because Paul imparted academia yeah. and he imparted anointing. It was an anointed academia. Jesus endued. He said, be endued. That anointing should not have just been ceremonial. It should have been in doing. Well, in our study session last night, which is the other book, praise the Lord, we talked about how this office is a cerebral office. Yes, it is. And talk about how you learned it. And she looked like that when I said it. I did. Because if I go to this book, which is, can I read the title? Mm -hmm, Please. Okay, this is our 2018 AIT Commission Candidacy Class. Commission Brief Final Module, The Bible's SAMs, which is, uh, this is analyzing scriptures, authoring mantles. So SAM means scriptures, authoring mantles. If that doesn't shift Mm -hmm. your mentality about the office of the apostle, I don't know what will. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it's not about anything that we've heard before about apostleship. Authoring mantles. And so... And while she's turning pages, I want you all to just... Um, type in what this is saying to you and how you feel about hearing this on today's broadcast. Just share your thoughts and and your questions. I will take questions, um, but share your thoughts and your questions on this. Now, be specific to this. Please don't ask me why your mother went home and your dad didn't go. Don't do that. Yeah, that's not today's topic. Well, we, uh, first of all, the table of contents in Dr. Price's books alone will give you an education and let you know just how much you don't know. For example, with spiritual protocratics, mm-hmm. you, you talk about Zacharias, this is lecture one, Zacharias, seven eyes, exploring the seven spirits, creator encoding, and the term spiritual protocratics. Lecture one. Lecture one. This is a written lecture, mind you. And when we were on the call, Seth, 
Because they are teased. We usually do a weekly check-in call Saturday morning. Apostle <laughs> Stephen Holt. <laughs> he said, okay, I see. I just have a few things to say before we end the call. First of all, he said, spiritual photographs, my God. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> it was like, okay. Because it's true. Apostles, apostleship is a cerebral. It's heady. It's very and all these AITs are heady people. So the, the more you like to think, the more you love this material <laughs> because it feeds your brain. Not just your shaking, quake, spiritual yep. feelings. And it feeds your spirit, which is a whole other being. And you don't even realize it mm-hmm. until you feast on this type of material. Mm-hmm. This whole other thing starts to happen. And it grows. Oh, that my. spirit man and starts like, to grow. I know what I'm doing. I can do this job. Oh, God. And you're like, wait, help me. Go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I can stand for Christ. Yeah. Well, you know what you're standing for. And you also know how to fight what you're standing against. Yes. Good word. Lecture two, what God means by spirit, what the protocrats do, the seven angels. Protocracy? Uh-huh. Is that how you say that? Uh-huh. Okay, and Jesus Christ, because I'm asking Dr. Christ every day. Now, what does this mean? And seven spirit examples in scripture. So that's just some of that. When we go to this book, which is the commission brief, all the AITs, this is the last book we have leading up to our commissioning. We have a lot of activities, things to fill in, what this looks like in action, how you're going to apply it to your commission, all of the intelligent questions. You have to know how to answer and do, execute, recognize an action, mm-hmm. the success, the failure. Mm-hmm. All of it <clears throat> comes uh, together, although it's in the, the process throughout, but comes together in this book. So we're talking about, let's see, I'm just going to jump around. Mm-hmm. Igniting your apostleship consciousness. There you have But Dr. Price, I have a question. Oh, you have a question. Yes. Okay. Tell our audience, why do you use apostleship over apostolic most times? Because, oh, great question. I use apostleship because when you look up the definitions of the two stems, IC versus SHIP, uh, I see is adjective, which means that ap- you're apostolic. When we say something is apostolic, the thing that it, that is apostolic is the adjective. The adjective is defining or describing the noun. So it, apostleship is not a noun under those conditions. When the word apostolic and, and how they're using it came from ecclesial commentators and ecclesial researchers, not God's thronal representatives or thronal agents. So that's the first thing. SHIP added to the end of any noun speaks to rank, office, dignity, or identifies a dignitary. And not dignity as in uh, uh, manners and etiquette protocols and behavior and conduct. Dignity as in a rank or a sphere of professional or ministerial service. So apostleship for us means that we don't, we don't, at near, we don't describe ourselves as an adjective. We describe our entire institution as a noun. And apostleship means that it is a rank more than it is a description. It is a hierarchy. There is level. You can look it up yourself. Look up the suffix yourself. They had a class on it. So when you say you're apostolic, you're describing what you do ordinarily as being apostolic as opposed to being, you know, beautiful. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. It's mm-hmm. an adjective. 
when you say apostleship, you're now bringing in and voicing the entire institution that Jesus Christ brought to earth and entrusted to the 12 people who finished his work. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. God is a thinker. God is a thinker. We'll be revisiting. And then you have, because this is on the cerebral train here, God is a thinker, mentalizing the articles we read. Maintaining vital communications with God and Christ. Uh, you, you just go, Jesus is thinking. Mm-hmm. Who says that? We do Jesus' love. Mm-hmm. His love, his emotions, his, his uh, feelings toward us. Not his thinking. And not necessarily his thinking toward us. No, no. Just, just, thinking. just his thinking. What did he mean when he talked about us having his mind? Why Jesus began with preaching. I asked her some questions about that. She did. Yes, I did. And then Jesus' Messianic Mantle, the book of the future, obtaining and motivating ears to hear, Mm. acquiring and maintaining authenticity. This is under the effects of the Bible's scripture authoring mantles, purpose, God's thoughts to these mantles, heart scribing, from heeding to being. Uh, Do you see the table project? We could go on. Because they're lectures. The word propriety. And I the mean, reason that this is important, part propriety in this conversation. Hysterical is, dogma. <laughs> you just think. <laughs> but the reason that we have this brief is because along with their portfolio, this is the brief, along with their portfolio, they have a document to wake up to the next morning and say, I call this the get to what, well, actually God does. I mean, I steal the Lord's revelation. But, <laughs> come on. But God calls it the get to work manual. And what she put in here to help us get, get to, to work, work are these tables. And, okay, the word prophecy. It's apostolically related how? Law. Counsel, judgment, decrees, on and on. The list goes on. Now, if you're going to get a list from Dr. Price in case you haven't read the Prophet's Dictionary or Handbook lately, then you will understand that list will have no less than 16 things on it. That's it. 16 to cerebral. Now, why is cerebral important? Why is so important? Mm -hmm. Proprietaries refers to. Yeah, proprieties. Yeah, proprieties refers to. And then there's all these charts. Let me see how many. 19. I told you, no less than 16. And then analyzing the word dispensation, what it means. But if I were to apostolize, apostolize this definition based on my AIT training, it would say. And, 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 and they can't just give me, you know, most of your training, they just let you do what you want to do, say what you think, because it's all personal, private, and individual. Well, apostolic is personal, private, and individual. Woo! Apostleship is institutional, eternally defined and pre-resolved for you before you even got into the planet. Which means that you have to throw out the language the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Yo, you can, oh, you cannot fail well, you for that. There are 40 of these, of course mm-hmm. there are. I'll fail you for that. Awesome. So you cannot tell me about how you see it unless you can tell me how you got to that point, which means you traced it back to scriptures offering mantles. The reason that when you when we get to the second half of this, you're going to understand. But I want to just read this to oh, you this because good. you know you like that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I saw this in the table. Uh-huh. It's a fossil psychonism. Yep. And so I want to... Um, and then you thought on that one in June. 
Which one? Why your pre-commissioning ministry must die. Yes. And I look for that death. I want to hear the death throes in your, in your assimilation. Yes, I do. But because I'm serious about the product I'm giving Jesus Christ. Some of you all are being made apostles for the churches. I am not Woo! that. I am serious about what I'm giving Jesus Christ to work with, not the churches, which is why many of your training is all about the church. You are the tr- apostles to the churches. You are Andronicus and Jania. That is not who I am developing. Wow. Woo! You can see I gave a lot of thought to this. So we tell you that we, we, you're apostles to the church. So if the church is unhappy about what you're doing, then you are going to change. You are permitted to change it. You're permitted to alter it because it's not surrendered to Jesus Christ at all, which is why you can't hear him. You can't hear him because, well, you don't know the God. Now, um, so I want to read two, two passages. We, we read them all the time, so it's okay for me to go again. Um, um, 2 Corinthians 2, 17. My other prophet ought to be walking down the hall by now. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, mm. all things are become new. Now, you know that theologically. Can you tell me about it technologically? Probably not. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation has to do with ambassadorship. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you and Christ said, be reconciled to God. This is not every Christian. For example, every Israeli in the Bible was considered to be a priest to God, but then we extracted from that priest, from that population, those who were discharged the office administrations of the priesthood. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. I know some of them get all upset. Don't get upset sometimes. I just love the upsetness. It makes me so happy. And so now let's go <laughs> here. Well, I, you know, because when I didn't know what I was doing, uh-huh. oh, y'all was all timid and whatnot. Are you kidding? I got this. This I have. Yeah. Now something else y'all might get me. But look at this. She is. Hi. Are we there? Hot here. <laughs> bring some more heat. You got some heat? Did you bring the flames? Yeah, I'm trying, yeah. You know what's going to burn flames today. Yes. Now, here's the cerebral part yeah. of the apostle. There are two passages that will emphasize the cerebrality of apostleship. It is a head game. It is for intellectual people. Stop letting those who train you saying you don't have to be deep. Come on, we're talking about this thing starting with fishermen. Fishermen, not rabbis, not priests, not the Sanhedrin, not the laws, the scholars. The law. These are fishermen who have set this thing in motion from the mind of Christ. The king of glory, the author of scripture, came to the planet, incarnated as flesh, and he chose folks who knew nothing. They had homeschooling. They had, you know, rabbi school, rabbinical school. They had that, but that was general knowledge. And everybody knows kids, especially boys, don't pay a whole lot of attention to that. So, but he took them from that to this. 
2 Corinthians 10, 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent, are bold, are bold to you. But I receive, am I in second Corinthians? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we are. Okay, but I beseech you, beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some. In other words, first, Paul is saying, you know, I'm getting hot with y'all because you're kind of messing up what we're doing. And I have the power to be bold and correct you, but I want to maintain a certain delivery style, a certain tone. So the text I want to get used with you, I'm not going to use although it, what you've been doing deserves my boldness, okay? Uh-huh. Which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So let me tell you, I get that one all the time. Just in case you think the Bible is dated, I just want you to understand it's not flesh. The Bible may, the print might be dated, but flesh is the same. God can't change. The devil is precluded from changing because he's dead. And humans can't change because all that God and Satan did is in the genetic truth. So the genealogical predisposition of humanity is such that you're going to push back on anything that compels change. Mm. For example, I hear it all the time. Well, that's the Paula Price way. If it's the Paula Price way, you should try to find out where Paula Price got it from. Because then you find out that I'm doing what Paul did. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. But like the people at the base of the mountain, when God came and to visit his people, you would prefer not to hear from God like that. Right. You prefer to hear from God in a way that will permit you to reject it or to mock it as that's your personal thing. That's your private interpretation. The Bible said no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation. So if I'm talking Bible and you don't know it, then you can't say whether I'm in the flesh or in, or in the word. You don't know because you can't find a, a word statement or passage to refute me. You have to be, when you say somebody's in the flesh, you better make sure that you have a biblical refutation yeah. of that statement. Otherwise, you're just rejecting Jesus Christ. Or as Gamaliel said to the Sanhedrin, you're just fighting against God because you're just mad with God. You don't want God in your business. Mm. Because, see, Jesus had the same problem. Oh, this is Joseph's boy. We act like it's new. You think you're saying something new. Well, you might, because when I get to this next discussion, (laughs) we might fix up a few things. But you act as if this is something new. Jesus had the same rejection. Why? Because what God does is unseen, and it begins to change the vessel, alter the soul, and then cause the soul to command the vessel to behave differently. And because it commands the vessel to behave differently, you think that the person is doing it at their will. Anybody who can, who can make themselves a judge as to what's the flesh and what's the spirit has got to be consummate in God's word, will, purpose. Otherwise, it's your personal preference or your feelings are hurt. I ain't ready to do God like this. I can't even tell you how we... How many people said, I'm not ready to get deep. I don't want to know God like that. Well, that's fine, but don't vilify me because you don't. I'm serious, because Jesus went through that. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, he said, they're spirit and life. He said, I speak the words that my father gave me to speak. He said, but you do the works of yours. So my word bothers your works. We took you out of the Bible. 
And that's the problem. And boy, when I get finished with today, I've got this Bible, boy, this thing is so huge, uh, whatever. But after reading this little book, I understand it. I love this little Bible. Here, I will, if I have to get a trolley to carry this thing. I need the horse to put it together. So it's on part. But, um, but anyway, so Paul says, he said, so Paul had the same problem Paul is facing. Hmm, that's flesh. She's in the flesh. You who read three scriptures a month, you gonna tell me about flesh? A month? Sounds all right. Yeah. <laughs> For the weapons of our warfare. Okay. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Because anybody who cha- challenges us or charges us with the flesh has engaged us in spiritual warfare. Mm. That's the next thing coming, and it's not just me. Then, then God has to step in. You would judge me as being in the flesh. That's your personal thing. That's okay. Because, you know, that's human. That's life on earth. But then God has to get involved, and he has to engage your entire judgment system in a proving process so that your life goes into a tailspin while he proves to you the difference between the flesh and the spirit. A lot of – that's the hard way. See, that's what I'm talking about. So when we – <laughs> so when you because I say that to people I say why don't you just be silent you don't know what to say shut up because God has got to confirm God God's righteousness the angels these protocrats they have got to prove the truth from the lie and when you go judging God's true messengers not just me I'm not the only one he has I'm waiting to find the rest of them but when you go judging God's true messengers those who have not been groomed by the culture craft the church right. when you when you judge them as if they are the emissaries of the culture, craft, the church, and not the ambassadors of Christ, God's got to send your life into a tailspin so that you can come back and repent and recant. Many Christians are in battle right now because you were groomed by pastors who rejected truth. And so God is working his truth in you because he promised you eternal life. Let me read the... So, and so he said, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means not physical, not humanist, not fleshly. So we, we, our missiles are not metal, but mighty. So are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations, and then they have other things um, we call imagination, but they call notions, logic, uh, uh, what is it, words, whatever. But it's cerebral. See, this is a minefield. It's cerebral. So it's a casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So y'all may like God, but y'all don't like his knowledge. And you don't know him. Paul said that I may know him. So you have to love God. If you're Christian, you have to love God because God shed his love abroad in your heart. So love is not your attainment. That's not your highest achievement. Knowing him enough to conform to him so that you rightly represent him. See, you have been talked out of the Messiah's brain. See, because Jesus Christ has a brand that he's been working on since he said in the beginning. So it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing 
that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity. It didn't say it was going to always be gone. You got to do it every day. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? You, that means that every demonic thought, you have to uh, arrest it and imprison it and then bring it under the prison on an incarceration to the mind of Christ. And you have to do it nonstop. You have to keep on doing it. So you, you go to a movie. Half of you all, you go to these movies, and you act like those movies. Are, it, it, boys, don't ever say this is Dr. Price. That movie is just like Christ. No, it's not. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is a fallen angel trying to call his former glory and doing a bad job at it. Mm. I don't have a problem with movies. I appreciated The Matrix, but I saw the devil in it. I didn't see Jesus. I was upset with Trinity being a sheep. And I researched that to find out that that's a goddess, which is why God in the Bible uses Godhead. Paul uses Godhead. Hmm. Hmm. Now he said, bringing every thought into the, uh, the obedience of Christ. So all of your thoughts have got to now aligned with Jesus Christ, correlate with his mindset. When we talked about in this class, Jesus is thinking, you have to get in touch with Jesus is thinking, not just the thoughts somebody wrote on the paper. You've got to read this thing to the point that Jesus himself wants to come out of anonymity and come out of obscurity, come from behind the veil and help you understand it. And it's a, and having in, look, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. We don't revenge. We just revamp Christianity for it. So it says, having in a readiness to, to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. It said, do you look on things after the outward appearance? In other words, are you a visualist? Oh, you can, do you, if you can't see it, then it's not so. That's the scientific community. They are always looking on the outward, outward appearance because by the time they can see something and handle it, in God's world, it's done and finished. And the next thing is coming forward. And it said, if any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we. And so I like the next part where people get upset because this is what the church has a problem with. Yeah. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority. Apostleship has inherent authority. It goes with the dispensation. It says, which the Lord has given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. In other words, the church has been taught wrong, strong is wrong. Why? Because your pastors and your seekers, they don't need you rising up being warriors. They need you to be good parishioners. But that does not work in your workplace. So you are, right now, you're a police officer. You go to church. You behave yourself in church. I don't need you to behave yourself on the street when somebody's beating me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need you to come on and do what your office, your job. I need you to demonstrate and exercise. <laughs> do it all. Right now. See, I don't need a nurse who is very sweet and is, and, and is allowing the altar workers to deal with the person slain in the spirit staying in her seat because that's not her, her calling or her job. When I go to her emergency room, I'm going to need that girl to step up. Okay. I'm going to need her to touch me, etc. You see, we have to understand that in the church, the church causes you to lump everything into one single ball, but that's not how life works. Life is, is, is distributed. Life is integrated. 
And that is it. So before we get to the, the last piece I want to cover, did you want to get this stuff so you can talk? Uh, <laughs> it's all on you. Uh, no highlights? I know, because, well, because my blue highlighter was the same way. <laughs> oh, it's in here. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite and, highlighter. And, and, and green was the highlight. So I just grabbed this. Oh, I got you. No, I love how you talked about earlier the apothecary of God, how God used his word uh, to heal, but mm-hmm. his word is his therapy. Um, because that, that, I think that speaks to when you're dealing with a high cultural environment, we don't want the word of God. Yes. Um, you don't want his treatment uh, for those issues. I love also how you talked about, yes, we do believe in the hard reset. I, I wanted you to kind of even speak again on that, the monotony piece, oh, um, yes. unity becoming monotony. I thought that was like the revelation of the day. Like that, <laughs> that's the hashtag for today, you know, um, that, that it's our boredom. You know, and our boredom drives us. And I love how you talked about how our boredom will drive us to the place where we'll want secularism, mm-hmm. which is what I think is an accurate picture of where we're at as a mm-hmm. contemporary church today. So many secular influences. Mm-hmm. That, I feel like you gave answers to that, and we still get to that today. Well, I did. And, and, and a lot of times you were driven to secularism. Well, I may point out the hazards and the detriments of secularity to the born-again Christian. The churchian, we still need to get you to the cross. But the born-again Christian, (laughs) secularity is hazardous to your health and well-being. And the reason it's hazardous is because it's cultural, and culture starts with deity. So they're telling you it's faith, but it's it's actually a devil, because faith belongs to an unseen force of power. Can you uh, speak on what we had a lunch yesterday with friends where you talked about there were certain things you never got into or locations because of your past mm-hmm. that God pulled you out of. Well, you and have those spirits for you to show up. Oh, they know. Would say she's back. Yeah. Can you speak into and tying this to what you're just talking about with the dangers of secularism from the same God just pulled us out the flames. Well, secularism is the veneer and the sheath of paganism, polytheism, and those pantheonic deities. See, secularity is like the garment. It's the mantle. And see, we keep thinking that it's the thing, just like the skin is the sheath of the soul and the spirit, as well as the body's organs. Your skin is a sheath. Look it up. Synonym for skin, sheath. S-H-E-A-T-H. So secularity is the sheath of paganism, of witchcraft, of all of those spiritual things. They are, and they come in like that threefold package. So we, the, the skin, you know, when people look at your skin, they think, boy, aren't you pretty? But we don't know what's beneath that skin. Because you right. can be rife with disease. You can be rife with some sort of uh, infection or whatever, uh, a contagion or contaminant. But all we see is, don't you look so pretty? Which is why we're in shock. Mm-hmm. Somebody so pretty goes down. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So secularity is the same way. Secularity is appealing because it's a sheath for uncleanness, ungodliness, and anti-Christness. So you look at the secular on the world, the world's skin, and you don't realize that that hot lava down there is going to kill you. Right, right, right. And yet the magnetism from the magnetic core of Earth draws you. So you're drawn to the magnetism of that secularity, but it is for skin. 
It is a, it's the label. It's the packaging. It is not what you think it is. So when I was in all of that, because I was in there, called, I mean, I was, I was ready to go next level, you know, and talk about a boy a near miss. Jesus mm-hmm. stepped up sovereignly and personally and snatched me and branded me. The man literally branded my spirit and my gut. And he said, you won't be doing that. And he told me. We can't have you on the uh-uh. phone. It's you and me. He said, because I didn't, I didn't raise you for this. And I often tell, I have an article coming out in the Majesty magazine um, because, I'm, you know, I did the broadcast on the Majesty. I guess it's coming up. My people are telling us about it. But the, the article that I wrote is the destiny of a 12-year-old. Oh, no. I mean, so if you ever get a chance to get the magazine, I, I can't even help you. I'm going to let the prophet did do the thing she does or somebody who's typing. I'm sure I got somebody out there who will do it. But I, I wrote it. They asked me if I do monthly articles, and I wrote an article on the destiny of a 12-year-old. You need to read it, and you need to have your children read it because it's very important. So when Jesus came to me, and he came and got me, like I got saved with Jesus coming into my room. Ask me how I know it was Jesus since I was such a heathen, I couldn't tell you, but that's why I know. Where was I? I And he touched my shoulder, and he said to me these words, your debt is paid, and you are now free. And immediately uh, my spirit started bubbling, and because I was Baptist, I didn't know I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Man, I was real Ephesus, baby. I did not know. <laughs> so I get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I, and so forth. I was deep in the occult for about three, six months. I hated it. I mean, hated it. But eventually, without the teaching, without the training, and all of that, it didn't happen for me. And I slipped back. And so when I went to a, a uh, revival, by my branding, my sister's pastor, I go again, and now I get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I mean, they are fighting me. These are real spirits. See, they can tell y'all those lies because y'all learning them through church. Mm-hmm. I learned them through, through the gutter. And these are real spirits. Yoga has a real principality. And I want you to know they tried to kill me on that floor. And if it hadn't been for the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't know how I would make it. And I wish I can tell you that when I got up off that floor, it was over. It was not. Then the battle began. But I found out that our Jesus is the Almighty, and he is the God of God. And so my worlds kept colliding. The visions I used to have over here and the visions that are now coming in from him, and it was a mess. And I had to do all of that without a pastor, a leader, apostle, because none of the folks even wanted to know. that I, You know, church people don't really want to know how, how dirty the devil is. They just want to mm. know how intriguing here. But Jesus talked about really judging us for learning the depths of Satan. And he says that in Revelation under the Thyatira church. So I, I, I was there and it was dirty. And I mean, it was filthy and they showed their ugly self. And it was very, very hard for a good year or so. Because see, you think you come out of that stuff that they come out of you. Nah, uh-uh. Mm-mm. It becomes a scrub fest. Okay? And so God, about a year or so, now I'm reading the Bible every day. I, I started reading my Bible somewhere around, I don't know, 8 to 10, maybe 18 hours a day, depending on what I, my schedule was like. And I never stopped reading it because they said to me, one thing I did say, a, a prophet in the church did say, was that 
you're empty now. You better fill yourself with the word because if wow. not, they're coming back. Now, wow. granted, she left God, but I hung on to the word. Ah. <laughs> Baby, because you know them tents. There y'all, some of y'all were tempting in Jesus. And so those tents, you know, the tents, after they finished the whole battle, I'm, I'm done. I got to go back to my other gods. So, but I, I, I did. I got changed, and the Lord changed me. And it was, I've never been able to, one day I pray I could write the story, but I think I'm still living it. I've never been able to say the, the experiences and how I never expected that. But God made me live every single thing, right on down to him taking me to hell and meeting all those spirits down there. And believe it or not, the parties that they have today with the different lights and stuff, they were in hell. They were in one side. The other side was something else. And I said, oh, Okay. So that, and see, God had to persuade me to lay it all down for him. He had to persuade me to, to end it. So, I mean, all of that stuff, the nudity and the vileness and all of, this, all of that, they were doing that when he took me to hell. And I remember hating it, but I was more than hating it. It was a darkness that was so terrifying. My heart felt like it was going slow from fear because there's nothing in there but sheer anxiety, sheer stress and fear. So... I went there because I went to the place where everybody is waiting until he has the resurrection, where we all, you know, they all, because I ain't going, and Lake Fox. So having done that slowly but surely, I got, you know, purged, and I got delivered, and I kept growing. But I never put down the Bible because that was the only thing that made me feel safe and free, but that was the only thing that was explaining because I'd read something, have a vision, then he'd take me back to one of them prophets' writings or Job or whatever. <laughs> I mean, he would do all of that. And so it's been, it's been a real journey, and I don't know, I think up, only up until maybe the last eight years has everything just settled down because all of that that was happening to me inwardly was showing up outwardly as ridiculous, bizarre trials and tribulations. Oh bizarre. See, they lived it with oh me. Thank God for these women. And so when I was talking to them yesterday, they, they had a situation where, um, where some friends of theirs, well, not even friends, I guess mm-hmm. they were acquaintances. Okay. But anyway, where there has this island that is um, destined to be an island of doom. And I'm saying it because I'm trying to give you the short version. Island of doom. And so these, they were there, and the, the, somehow or another, the priest of the island put some cursed bones on their porch, and the man hasn't been right since. And so... But they, for some reason, they want to stay. I said, to me, there are things I can't do. People ask me, why don't you do yoga? Because I was good at it, and they know me, and I know them. See, I know that they're not a meditation. I know that they're not an experience. I know that they are, yoga is the number one scout for doomed souls. Yoga is a scout. It's the major scout. If if we were talking about a football uh, um, team or some sort of athletic team, their yoga is the scout. And that scout moves with the heart that wants to feel more than it wants to think. Wow. That's why you don't have to think. You, you blank out. You meditate. You empty your mind. There is not one place in Scripture that God says that. Yoga scouts for apostates and for souls to deliver to one of its 300 or so million deities. This is a, it's, I'm telling you, it's a deity scout. And I know that because when I, after I got saved, God told me, you will never do this. He said, ever. 
you will not do one part of this. He said, and I didn't realize until I got older than him that God paid a mighty price to buy my soul from that. Wow. And he let me know later on, you don't know what it cost me to deliver you from that. I will never forget. I said, what cost? I mean, because it was me. I just gave it up. I just gave it up. No, you didn't give it up. I had to. Every time God has a deliverance, there is a negotiation and there's an exchange. That's what the blood does. The blood pays the price for that devil's legitimate hold on your soul. So I said to them, there are certain things I can't do because it will look like I'm, I'm defected from Jesus Christ and I'm going back to my old lives and thus presenting myself as an instrument for those devils. And I'm not doing that because I don't agree with them. I am having walked the walk I walk. I know devils are horrible. I look at the world they create. Look at this. You got molestation. You got HIV. You got children being raped. You got pedophilia. You've got homosexuality. You've got witchcraft. You've got addictions of all kinds. You got rampant crime. This is Satan's world. Yeah. And this is the one that you chose over the one that kept us at peace and held him at bay. Now you want God to jump up and find your kid. You didn't care about God before that. You gave your kid to whoever took them because you served that, that, that deity. And because we, as preachers, not we, well, I'm not going to say we, but because the preachers have told you that there is no God but Jesus Christ, you think Jesus Christ is kidnapping your kids and raping your children and taking your Ooh. job. It is not true. Jesus Christ is the one that brought all of that under subjection, and you told him to leave you alone. Mm. There's a section in one of the prophets that say that, that God's people told him, get behind our back. Mm. But because you don't read your Bible and you don't read the right Bible, which is where the shift is coming, you don't realize Jesus himself said that there would be many Christs and many false Jesus. And he said that. He wrote it. He knew before I get up out of here, I'm telling you the imposters will have already magnified themselves after they've multiplied. So you have to figure out what the right Jesus is. Why is this Bible important? Why did it, uh, did it help you? It helped me because it kept me. Because when I, when I had a, a vision one night of a sleep, I woke up in the morning, and the spirit was standing in my room, <clears throat> and he had a bunch of horns, like the hairdo that the young African-American men have now. That spirit had that hairdo in 1983. And he stood in my room, and he had a white robe on, and he was whispering in my ear. And he said, I'm Jesus. And I rolled over and looked at him. I said, no, you're not. You're lie. He went right through the window. Yeah. You have no idea how serious these princes and these spirits are. You're playing. You're exploring. You're trying to figure it out. They are hoping you don't ever figure it out. They don't need you to figure it out, but they need you in confusion. Oh, hallelujah. Because when you're confused, what does confused mean? Something fused to something else. C-O-N, inner fusion. Inner connected, inner blended. And so I have no problem with what you asked about my strength. Are you kidding? What this man did for me? Oh, yeah, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to tell you right now. Let me go out over the airway. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his life, and I'm doing great exploits. And you know why? Because I know personally in ways that I could never tell you, Jesus Christ is not only the son of God. He is God's first begotten, and he is the second member of the Godhead, and he has all authority. All the authority that Jesus was talking about had nothing to do with his spiritual authority. He was a sovereign. But 
all authority given to him in the realm of men as the last Adam. Holly, did that sound like you know you said? Why do y'all do this? What? Don't you go? Let her rip. Do you have something? I'm going to get you one more thing before we get to this. Okay. Yes. Whatever, you know, kind of got you. Oh, look, a little green. I know, I know. I, I highlighted real quick. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I love how you talked about, um, okay, first of all, you said that you commissioned the chosen. You made that distinction. I love that whole discussion mm-hmm. yeah. on um, just kind of understanding how you become who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and uh, you said, I commissioned the chosen, and then that the chosen must be proven. Um, Proven to, to proven to have converted from the world to Jesus Christ. I love that. Um, you also talked about how training is for articulation. I think you answered some things. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have an ongoing thing in the church about training and its usefulness and all those different things. Um, that you talked about how you're, you have to be able to articulate what God has done, mm-hmm. and then that training is what brings that out. Exactly. You know, we often treat them as the same. First uh, Corinthians, excuse me, Matthew twenty-eight. 18 through 20 with Mark 16, 15. And we, we confuse them because we treat them as if they're same. Now, Matthew says, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Mark says, go preach the gospel to every creature. You see? So creatures inhabit nations. But nations dominate creatures. So when we talk about what God is sending us to do as sent ones, we have to recognize that. For example, that word, if you look at that, um, you know, Jesus. Matthew, right? I like Brother Matthew. One day I'm going to buy those little stickies again. I used to like those stickies. You know, the ones that you put. The tab, yeah. yeah, tabs. I used to like that. But I got them, but they got created. Yeah, mess with me like but that. that's kind of. Yeah, they're messing with me. I don't like them. But here he says, um, <clears throat> Matthew twenty-eight sixteen. Then the 11 disciples went away unto Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, you know, in God parlance, that's scary. Demons got to be trembling. What do you mean all power? Because I'm ahead of this. But he said in heaven and in earth, which means, <clears throat> which means every principality, every angel, all of those are given to him, not as the second member of the Godhead, but as the resurrected son of Adam son of Abraham, son of David. In other words, he has all power as the human divine. That never existed before. He's recreating or or he's procreating a new race, a new species. So he's saying this, he is the head of this species. And he has all power in heaven and earth. And I like that. And so he said, go ye therefore, or because of this, go and teach all nations. Now, it's important that you recognize teach all nations is a real big thing. And if you had to sit down with your class and say, well, how does one teach a nation? And he said, teach all nations, not the ones we approve of, the ones we don't like, the ones that got good food, the ones that have bad food, the ones that are rich and the ones that are poor. No, no, teach all nations. And he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, how do you baptize a nation? How's that? How do you baptize a nation? Do you just go and pick them up? Is it a symbolic thing? We just get a map, put it in some water, and bring it up, whatever. How do you baptize a nation? You baptize a nation by immersing it in the doctrine. So God says baptism equals immersion. Their AIT program Mm -hmm. was more than intensive. It was an immersion. And it is an immersion. They are immersed in the scriptures offering mantles doctrine. So he says to them, that's why when you sit there and say, well, it's just about, no, just sharing Jesus. No, 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 no. You have to, God, you have to baptize the heads of those nations into the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That's how he took the world. The Holy Ghost did the work, but they spread the word. And they did not spread it as get saved. Because everybody in a nation will not get saved, but its exit should be. Ah. Because that's how it's discipled. Well, because then you look at how we got converted from Christianity. They they literally baptized you in the depths of Satan. The movies are about Satan and devils and demons and doom. They're full educational programs. That whole Harry Potter thing, oh, in the world of that's now. Because witchcraft is religion. Because they use spiritual forces, words, incantations. Why is it that happened? That's why the witches are saying we won, but they didn't know we were coming. So you beat the pastors, but you've yet to face the apostles and the prophets. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different set. Because we don't have us be good and be nice in the pew mindset. We have the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We took it once, we'll take it again. Come on. So you can see, they can, you, they, you, 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 you know what? That little, little gambler with Kenny Roberts said, don't count your money before you leave the table. You should have counted your money. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, you should have waited until the game was over and you were home in your room. <laughs> because you can't count them well, out. Well, <laughs> you can't count them out. No, see, I know a little bit of world. <laughs> no, really. And look how far back you had to go. No. <laughs> No, probably did. But <laughs> no, I think he's still with it. Okay, good. <laughs> see you, you and, and see the, the culture crafted Christian bought the lie. Apostles and prophets never did because we got a book to tell us that every time they kind of got out, they lost. We got Sennacherib ready to take out God's nation. Well, and what happens? He got a bad news from home by his kids, and he had to. Uh, Abandon his effort. We have a whole Bible. We got Elijah. They're trying to take out God's nation. And here we got a prophet that's raining down fire on the contingent of soldiers that come to arrest him. So much so, the third group said, Man, okay, uh, look. Now, looky here. <laughs> I'm just doing my job. Okay. I can't they, give a lead. They made me come. <laughs> I'm doing my job. They made me come. I, I really did. I heard what you did. Oh, so they made me come. See, baby, but you know, I'm going to tell it right. That's why I'm glad to get my dates on TV. Wait till I get some real TV time. I'm going to bust this thing. Yes, I am, because Jesus is Lord, and he's not just Lord for your Sunday morning banner. Well, he's a sugar pie, Jesus. Loving on him. My honey man. Now let me, I know. 
So then we go here and we go to Matthew 16. Mark. I'm sorry, Mark. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And so now look at the difference to who he appears to. Mark 12 is different. And it says that, you know, he this is the Mary Magdalene and they find him and he's gone and whatever. Verse 12, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them. Not the 11 apostles that he told to, the, to disciple nations, but to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the 11 again. So he sent those two to go find them as they sat at meal and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So clearly, Mark must have preceded Matthew. That's what it seems like. And he said unto them, go into all the world. See, this one here says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Hmm. This one says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Doomed. You can put in your Bible, doomed. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So now the government have accepted Jesus Christ and converted to him so that the populace can be saved. Sugar pie Jesus. You know he's a honey man. Okay, so why are we saying this? Why am I going here? I'm having fun. I want to start with this. I received a, a wonderful book from one of my church members. First of all, I received this Bible. I mentioned it earlier for a reason. So I have this Bible. It's a King James Version Bible. And it says the defined King James Version. Defined. Powerful Bible. Now it's big, so you won't be taking it, you know, to the restroom or something. But I have no idea. Don't put it in your paper. <laughs> I have no, I couldn't even do that. My wouldn't do Okay. And so um, I got this about a year ago, and I looked at it, and I noticed that in this particular version, there are a lot of words that were mysteriously bold, in bold lettering. Didn't know why. Read it, and, but, but it has, the Bible has a great class in the front. I'm going there. Great classes, lots of good material, as Bibles do. Um, in the front, it's got all of these, I don't know how many ISBNs, and... Mm. I mean, it tells you where it was. And so it's, pub- it's published by the Bible for Today Press and uh, look, my end of the world, Collingswood, New Jersey. Come on, Collingswood. All right. And it's got copyrights from 1998 until 2014. So these are very um, recent things. And then, and that, but the people who did it um, by Gertrude Grace, she did all of that. But I want to get to why the boldness. Well, I got a book from this same member. You see, my folks keep me informed and, um, you know, furnished. And the name of this book is If the Foundations Be Destroyed. 
And it says here, what does the new international version of the Bible have against Jesus? Every, all my students have to have this book. And if you're listening, go ahead. I'm going to tell you right now. Go to, where do we go here? We don't, you know, they wait back. They don't have a website. Okay. Yeah, start with Amazon. Okay. Yeah, start with Amazon, my friend. All right. But anyway, you can order it by writing to Word and Prayer Ministries, P.O. Box 361, Fiskdale, F-I-S-K-D-A-L-E, Massachusetts, 01518-0361. And it's, it's $5.95, and so you got to send $2.50 for shipping. And as you can see, this is way back in time. But if it hadn't been, if the Bible had not, if its copyright had not been re- renewed in 2014, yeah, you might even put it up there. And so I, when I started reading this book, very plain, very simple, you could tell it was typed and whatnot, it started pointing out how to check your Bible, how to know if your Bible is, lines up with the King James Version. Now, the reason the King James Version is very important to me for two reasons. Number one, it's the only version God would let me read. I don't care what I try, I didn't tell you to get that. So I have all of those other ones, but he was just very tense. You're going to learn. So I said to him one day, Jesus, why the King James Version? He said, because I'm a king. Right. Oh. He said, so the, the populace cannot write for royalty. And the population cannot write for sovereignty because the population is pushing democracy and royalty is about sovereignty. And when we leave this planet, when we leave this planet, we are not going to be a democratic republic, a republic, or a democracy. We are moving and we are leaving, joining a monarchy. Jesus Christ is the monarch of creation, which is why he had his Bible penned while monarchs and monarchies were still dominating the planet. Why? Because he wanted to impart unto us the consciousness. All you hear about them is all of the wickedness that they've done, like there was never any decent one in the planet. But that's Satan's way of getting rid of them because he wanted to be the monarch of the earth. Because he still calls his folks kings and queens. King of rock, queen of soul, king of this. See, he still calls his people kings and queens while you all are bashing it so he can rule you. But I'm just not going to go there. That's a whole other class. I do have a class called king and kingship. Now, moving on. Okay. I just, don't you just love her? Sometimes you just wish, I said, why don't you come on here so I can hug you? (laughs) got my arms around you right now. So he starts, in this book, he says, um, verse comparison. You need this because he said you can use any book. This Bible, however, points out with bold lettering what's been omitted. The only thing you can't find out is when they omit the whole verse. So listen to this. I've got a little bit of time. Are you all listening? Are you all interested in this? And they can't get that on Amazon. Okay, and you can't get it on Amazon. Go now and get it. Everybody who wants the word, you need to go get it. And the reason I want you to have this is because you, we were fussing about, well, why don't Christians know this? And why don't they know that about Jesus? They whitewashed him. So you don't know Jesus Christ the way the King James teaches him. And they sold you on all of the errors in the King James. Are you kidding me? The errors in here? Come on, guys. But in any event, in any event, 
You can check your Bible, all of those other translations that y'all like, the Amplified Bible that gives you so many words for it, you don't even know what you want to read. I mean, come on, the words already make the whole verse. I have it. It doesn't work. NIV, we're getting ready to address. Message Bible, are you kidding? Not a Bible. That's the gangland Bible. You know, it's not even about Jesus Christ. It's all about discrediting this man. And we can go on with it. Now, I'm not talking about translation. I'm talking about version. Let us begin. He says redemption. Let us begin with redemption. Page three, the costliest plan of the ages by the life-giving power of Christ's blood alone where we snatched from the landslide of humanity plunging to hell and made to sit in heavenly places. If we could fully comprehend this side of eternity, the infinite difference between heaven and hell, we would fall on our faces and thank God after reading every reference to redemption in Scripture. Every reference. Observe then with tears the omissions in the following verses. Are y'all listening to me? Are you leaning in? Because, you know, these are my people. Okay, Luke 9.56, King James. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. NIV, and they went to another village. Matthew 18.11, King James. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. NIV, whole verse omitted. What did they put in its place? Omitted. I know, but then what's the new verse 11? That's why it doesn't line up when you start researching. Uh, The next one just... It is shocking to see a whole verse of Scripture removed from the Bible, especially one as important as this one. Yet they need only delete a word or two to destroy an entire truth, as we can see in the next verse comparison. All right, so Matthew 9, 13. Are, are y'all flowing with me, guys? Matthew 9, 13, King James Version. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. NIV, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So he says here, if you were lost and wanted to become saved, which of these two lives would benefit you the most? What are the scriptures saying we're here without the words to repentance? Here's a good one. I like this one, Acts 8.37, King James Version. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I read, omitted. Which verse is this? Acts 8.37. So these, you're sitting in church wondering why you didn't get the real salvation, mm-hmm. why your sins aren't moving. Because you don't have the apothecary of the Holy Ghost. They have, play, they have made a new compound for you. So this is what it looks like. It does 36. It puts 37, the number 37, in the little parentheses, and just goes to 38. Uh-huh. And when you click on it, it says, it gives you this little note that says, some manuscripts include the words of. Right. Now, I would be okay if you weren't taking everything else that's going to get me to heaven. I need the roadmap to heaven and everything else is going to ensure a, a eternal life. salvation. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. I know. And you all have the NIV, oh, and a lot of apostles have used it and never realized that even they endorse a pseudo version of scriptures. Oh, 
Acts 9, 5, and 6, observe how the splendid dialogue between Jesus and Paul on the Damascus, Damascus Road is hacked up and condemned in the NIV. Keep in mind that this was Paul's very first believing experience. KJV, the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the foot. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. And I, thee, oh, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city. And you'll wonder why the church is lost. So it wow. got lost at the main <laughs> The main <laughs> Because the, the, the Bible is the main course. It's like the bloodline. The word okay. is the blood and the bloodline. And so now the codes, imagine the codes of your blood being changed. Not imagine your blood type being altered. You're done. You're out. You're done. I thought it was, did, are you, what, are you, what are they saying? What are they saying? Are they rolling with me? I'm going to remind you, they're, Jay. They're, they're, they're putting up. So let me tell you, this brother is getting ready to get a boom on book sales because this here is working. <laughs> Galatians 6.15, King James Version. For in Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And I mean, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. So in Christ is taken out. So just all your own. And that's why salvation has been privatized and personalized for the people in the culture craft of church. See, this is a culture craft of church version. I like this one because here it tells you all of the places Jesus is taken out. Thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. NIV, you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Who said I? This is apostles' work. See, this is what apostles are supposed to be doing. Not fighting about whether or not you do when you can talk in tongues or whether or not I'm going to make you a new. Come on, somebody, help me. Now, 1 Corinthians 9 18. Paul said that he would make the gospel of Christ without charge. And I be offer it free of charge. What is this? Romans 1.16. Okay, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. NIV, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So you can't, you can't be an intelligent person wow. and not realize that these, these writers literally wow. bought into wow. a campaign to eradicate the founder of Christianity from his word and thus his people. But see, this goes back to what you said before, which she subsequently also taught on in Bible study about you need to find out the author's oh, okay. agenda who's handling these Bibles. Ooh, I'm telling you. Publishers. My. But listen to this one. John 6, 47. Jesus himself said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. NIV, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting well, life. Believe what? Believe I can't. What? Like, no. Listen. Yeah, but NIE Bible, you need to return that immediately. Nah, but I'm telling you, we need to take this little, and so now let me tell you why I like this little Bible. Well, it's not little, because 
if I could show you all of the things that they omitted in most translations, this Bible has them in both. Wow. So this little Bible, I like this guy. I know that. <laughs> so this Bible is a wonderful little Bible, and it's called, it's called an Uncommon Words Defined. In other words, the words they took out large, it's big because it needs large print. I need large print, okay? Oh, so I'm sure they have a small, a small it's version. It's big, though. Okay. And so it's um, Bible for today, 3,000, and it's called the Defined, the Defined King James Bible. Now, I like the fact that he... The reason I can say that is because I have Bibles that go back to the eight, you know, 1980s. Mine are, and I'm, a, I'm going to show them to you next week so you can know I can eat a Bible. Oh, Lord. You know what? They, I mean, they can get a, a cup to find. It's not that color, but it's, where is it? Uncommon words to find. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amazon. All right. I need, because you, this is going to revolutionize your Bible study. You've asked me over and over again, Dr. Price, where are you getting this from? Now I realize you weren't getting it. I mean, millions and millions of saints are literally edited out of Jesus Christ. I always said they redacted, but they redacted the Lord. How do you redact the Lord? Out of the Bible. Out of his Bible. All right. This is how we'd emphasize that point. Oh, yeah. But you know what? See, but God just waited till he got a big mouth. So Jesus... No, smart thing. Yeah, are you kidding? I was like, are y'all kidding? I'm not going to go to hell on your refusal to go. You don't want to go, that's fine, but you are not going to prevent me. I'm going to be with Jesus. That's what I am. I'm not going to hell because you don't want to go to hell. And he, uh, here's one. And as, uh, as it concerns New Jerusalem, John taught in Revelation 21 24, King James Version, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. NIV, the nations shall walk by its light. And nobody's asking for it because they're leaving you to fill in the it blank. Boy, help. And then here's my last one because we're running out of time, and, uh, and I want to give some of you all a chance to say something. Um, John, uh, 1 John 5.13, John gave us three reasons for writing his epistle, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. KJV, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. NIV, omitted. Look what they've done to our Lord. Look what, you know that old spiritual? Look yes. what they've done to yes. my Lord. Look what they have done to our Lord. And your salvation, your, this is your soul. This is not me, because I, I already had this before he said that. Now I had a highlight. I appreciate him for doing that. Bless this man. And his wife, and this must have been a hard labor for them. But here's what I do know: this is your soul, and no, you can't do that to a text. You cannot say to your university, "I don't like this textbook. I need somebody to take all of this out," because they have already told you the textbook is the curriculum. Now they'll get a new version and they'll edit it out, but you at least know what was in there. And so these people, the but this is quote-unquote Christians, quote-unquote Jesus' representatives. You know, I wrote, I wrote the book Before the Garden, and, you know, we had such a problem with the publishers not wanting to do it. I didn't understand why. Now I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, this is a good time, I think, to mention what? that next week with Price University, our self-study courses, oh, yes. one of them is Spheres of Apostleship, yeah. and another one is Hard Reset, dealing oh. with the prophetic 
these teachings that we've been doing too. Oh, excellent, excellent. I'm glad we were able to put that in. And I want, so and go to priceuniversity.org and sign up for the self-study courses. And I will be addressing this in the somewhat near future, but I wanted today to let you know. I said, but I like this Bible. And I, first of all, I like it because it's big enough for me to see it. There you go. It already has. And then it said, he gives you teachings. You get some language study. But the bigger thing is that you can now look and see. Let me go to Matthew. Um, so I don't know if he has it. See, if I would, if I would help him, I'll tell you what I would do is put an index in here with everything because this needs one. But his training and telling you how to look, how to study your Bible, how to check it. Come on, prophets. Come on, apostles. Ooh. We are warriors casting down arguments and imaginations and every high thing that what exalts itself against. You can't even find the knowledge of God if they omit half your scriptures. And so it's um, well, it's like 99 pages. But I think most of you all, did God answer your question, you know? Now here, Revelation 5.14, Ashley and uh, Adia, you all will love this. These are the last two. And so um, let's say Revelation 1.8, it says here, after, after his return to heaven, Jesus declared, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. NIV, I am Alpha, I am the Alpha and Omega, not at the end. I am the Alpha and Omega. That's it. Wow. Revelation 5. And he has it under titles, like Christ's eternal existence. He has the title Lord, you know. They, oh. Yeah, they don't, they don't, he's not Lord. And so Revelation 5.14, whether the worship in Revelation 5.14 is being directed to God, the Father, or God, the Son, is not clear. Nevertheless, the NIV's pitiful omission from the verse is. Hey, King James Version, what's that? So oh, yeah. And, 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 and the 24... 20, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. NIV, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Exactly. We don't know. Put whatever you want. Your tree, your closet, you know, your outfit for the mall, your family, your family. Okay, your, your couch. Now you know why. The, now this is why the millennials are in trouble. Right. Because they all have this kind of nonsense. And so we, so we have Barnard doing things like. Um, what is he doing? He's a, a, a Christian survey. The Christian, well, how many Christians don't believe Jesus is God? But with this, you want? How many people don't believe in the virgin birth? You can't. How can you? It's not in there. It's not in there. Now, I, and he did a couple of Old Testaments too, not a lot, because he's mostly dealing with Jesus. That's going to bring us into the New Testament. We need somebody to do the Old Testament too. Come on, y'all scholars, take up the charge. Y'all can do it. Go and do the same thing that he did, comparing this, because they are, he does have them in here. For example, you know, which I really don't you love it. Y'all gonna love this Bible. And and don't start talking about if it came James, I can't understand it. That's why he took you out, because you did not want to learn how to understand it. Okay. I, I, I. Hold on. They told me I'm in my last minute, so I'm going to ask you to sow a seed. Do you think that I gave you enough today to be worth your soil, Do you, your seed? Do you think this is good seed, good ground? If it is, all of my people, I know some of y'all probably have done it already because I know a few of my folks, they don't play. But put up that because this is how I live. Those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel, eat from the altar. So why don't you sow a seed to me today, DrPaulaAPrice.com, and you can tell them the other stuff. 
Yes, absolutely. Text to give 918-608-1378, 918-608-1378. You can also sow seed right on Dr. Price's website, drpaulaaprice.com. There's a button that says sow a seed. Um, so there's a couple ways that you can give. And then PayPal and Cash App are both Dr. Paula Price, Dr. Paula Price. Okay, don't forget the DR is going to take you someplace else. So DR, Paula Price, sow a seed. And let me thank you all last week for sowing so abundantly. Yeah. I bless yeah. God for you. I really ask God to increase your seed for sowing, but also to increase your finances for growing, that you can grow and your life can grow in the yeah. Lord. I love you dearly. Join me Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands for Scripture Organic. Now you understand better. Ooh. Ooh. Christianity. Mm. God bless you. I love you. Now. Ha, ha, ha.